a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you know what? There's a good chance that Brian's going to steal my thunder right now. (laughs) Always. Right? Right? Gibbs, Gibbs, come on. Come on. Can we start the show before you hammer me? Welcome into another edition of Off the Chest with Pecky and Dunny. Uh, Man, if the breaks were the show. Wow. We we just literally went through about five minutes of just talking, not even knowing where we're at. And it could have been the best part of the show. It's like your mic'd up segment yeah. where you're not, you forget that you're mic'd up <laughs> and then you drop a couple F-bombs here or there and then nobody can use nobody the mic'd up segment. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we are joined by royalty, mm-hmm. Utah Royals head coach, Laura Harvey. How are you, Laura? I am great. Yeah. Laura is great. We, great. So ju- just to kind of put context to the situation, we just stepped off the stage at Mike Pecky Coach's show. We had actually, a actually, actually, tonight it was the Brian Dunseth and royalty show. I kind of sat back purposely. I know that uh, Gibbs was a little angry. Giblets. No, no, Giblets. not Gibbs. Giblets. I'm going to call him Gibbs, all right? Because yeah, that, that's your nickname. Okay. This is my nickname, all right? Gibbs. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make me force a nickname on me, all right? I'm going to think of one. But... I literally was Numpty, watching you Numpty guys Numpty talk, works. and your questions were awesome. Your answers were incredible. And I'm saying, why am I going to get involved in this conversation? <laughs> so I'm racking my brain on, on a question that could be meaningful. Yeah. And I was just enjoying your conversation. You're so, just great why, show. It was like you were watching the KSL app. So, Gibbs. See, that's it. That's not not, not Giblets. Gibbs, all right? This week. When Barry you, Gibbs. Tonight, when you um, uh, market this show to let people watch it tomorrow, um, you have to change the name of it. Yeah. I'm going to leave it on you. It's not the Mike Pecky Kosher show this week. You Ooh. figure out how you're going to call it. Okay? Do I get do I get branding this week? No, it's no. not about you. I'm leaning towards <laughs> I'm leaning towards the royalty here, okay? Man, this is banter. Like I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking something of the of the former coaches show but the royalty with unbelievable shoes that has a backstory <laughs> and oh there's a guy Brian here. <laughs> show this week. That, that doesn't really it. slip off the tongue easily. Like the no, Mike but Peggy the more you say show. it, it does. If you keep saying Can it over Can you say it again? Can you I'll, repeat? I'll be thinking of all night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, well, by the way, we had a really good conversation. If you missed it, you go to the KSL app, uh, KSL TV app, head over to the soccer icon and click on the show. It's a, it's a fun conversation. We talked about how I basically hate everything that IFAB uh, has brought to the <laughs> Women's World Cup. I didn't even know World what Cup. IFAB was until yeah. this Women's World Cup. <laughs> IFAB. I didn't know what IFAB was until you know we started talking for? about it. And you I know went, what it stands oh, for? Thing. No. You know, no? No clue. International football something, I would guess. Clear and obvious mistake. <laughs> sure. There's a thing. That is an actual, like, organization. IFAB? 
Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what it stands for. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're dropping IFAB the whole time, and I'm sitting there going, yep, yep. <laughs> no, it's In my real. mind, I'm going, it's real. what <laughs> the hell is no, he no. talking about? So IFAB is, say. I'm going to look it up here because oh, this oh, is going to- Are you kidding me? Everybody's going to be like, these now. idiots don't know what IFAB is yeah, and how I saw far- a tweet yeah, about th- I'm changing the yellow card thing, and I'm like, I have no, I don't know what IFAB, IFAB. is. IFAB. <laughs> uh, International Football Association Board. I got the first two right, International. Who's on that? What's that? Who's on it? Oh, no. no one knows. Let's see. Right, uh, I don't even think. Randy Chastain, Pele, uh, <laughs> the the old Dallas Burn horse. <laughs> is on there. Remember, uh, remember when we talked about that? Daniel Hernandez. He's trying to kick soccer balls at the horse. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I still remember what was her name? Veronica. She was like the Univision sideline girl, and is she that? did a hit. And that was when you Veronica was, Vaughn. From Billy Madison? No. Oh, Veronica Vaughn. She was close. <laughs> so pretty. But she was like, I am standing next to the Dallas like Burn horse. And she goes, horse? And she kind of like put the microphone yeah. in the horse's <laughs> face. And I was like, I don't think the horse is going to talk. <laughs> and she's like, and back to you. And, and we're way off topic, by the way. Like, this that's is the best sidelines yeah. when they get hit in the head with the ball. It's the <laughs> they're best. the best. But like, I yeah, they're the best. Sometimes. Oh, in the, in God, the EPL, forget up. about it. The yeah. Bundesliga. Unbelievable. Bundesliga. But like, at what point do you realize, like, hey, maybe every 30 seconds I should glance or, yeah, just check my or yeah. how about the cameraman gives me a little bit of a heads, heads up. up? There's a guy <laughs> winding up back there. All right. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He used to do it at Cal State Fullerton because the cars would drive by yeah. and you would act like you were taking a shot, but you would actually try to ping the car. It was driving by. And then when you hit him, you're just like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Until the one guy breaks a window. They're great. It comes off Some of the ones where they smack him on the back of the head. I'm like, oh, you meant that. Concussion Central. Yeah. It's, it's like the Harry Redknapp interview. Oh, oh. that is the best. It's the what, best. Did, what did he say? He said something along the lines of. That's it, why it, you're in the if you were yeah. accurate like that in the field or something like that, that's, that's why, why you're in the effing reserve. Yeah. Oh, so bright. <laughs> He's the best. Yeah. Who's have, you, have you ever Googled Harry, Harry Redknapp interview? Uh, Harry Redknapp interviews. Well, I, I still miss he has Transfer some... Deadline Day because oh, really? when he's in his car park and he's hanging out the car doing yeah. the interviews as they're like waiting yep. for deals to be done, I still think. There's a McDonald's commercial at home, probably shouldn't advertise it but and it's him and Jamie Redknapp and he's at the window yeah. ordering drive through and they're like it's transfer deadline day it's great it's watch of, it. yeah, yeah. They're, so they're awesome let me ask you guys as managers I know that there's moments where there's questions asked mm-hmm. and you are gonna flip your ish mm-hmm and and it's just like how, how can you ask now whether it's the results good bad or ugly if it's just the person if it's the question when you watch other managers mm-hmm. and, like how, Mike. Mm-hmm. and how they go about their business, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you take it as a, maybe a learning situation? Is, are there things that you watch other managers and no. say, is it, I know you don't. I'll tell you why, because I'm talked a jerk. About, I've, I'm no, a we, jerk and I know I'm a jerk and I tell everybody that. Gibbs. Do I not come in once in a while to you guys and your whole department? Covered his face and I say, I I walk in. I say, guys, listen. I know I'm a jerk. I use another word. I'm a jerk, but this is who I am. It's no offense, whatever, like that. Uh, I'm a jerk, so I don't look at other managers and see how do they handle this. I just go with what happens in the moment. Yeah, he's just who he is. I love that. That's how I am. I try to just answer it. You're nicer than me, though. I think. I yeah. But, But you have the dry English. Uh, the accent get, gets me away with a lot. Yeah. yeah. You have freedom Early within in the, the league, accent. I think I'm the most fine coach in the NWSL. 
So in the first year, I got fined. Hey, we have something in common. Yeah. I, was gonna, what? I got fined something because I said the roast, rest for a joke next question, and I wouldn't answer any of the question. And then in... So you, Bel- you Bill two, Belichick did. Yeah, in 2016, when we, I had to play on that baseball field, and it was ridiculous, I would like wrote this big, huge thing after on online and got fined like two grand or something. I called the VAR people in the booth... I said that they were watching the Simpsons episode. <laughs> right. game. I don't know where that came from, by the way. No, you want to know what the best part about this was? And I've told, I feel like I can't see you. You know what the best part about that was? We're in the midst of doing our post game show, and we do. I know he's fired up, right? So I'm trying waiting to ask, for you to entice I'm, me. I'm asking questions because I the know, wrong questions. I know he's about to lose his mind, yeah. and I I can tell he's on one, mm-hmm. and he's about to get fined if I lead him. There's certain questions I know how to ask, and I know I can get different answers from. Kenny Neal is in our ear after we thank Mike and say, you know, David James is going off into another read or whatever. And Kenny goes, <laughs> another world. Kenny goes, and is in his in his good old Eastern Southern drawl. Well, this is a first, and. Like, we're live. Like, we're on camera. And he goes, Mike Pecky wants to come back on. And David James, <laughs> well, David James goes, um, all right, well, I know we just got done with Mike Pecky, uh, but I guess Mike Pecky has a few things to say. I walk And back. he turns back and he goes, I can't believe you didn't ask me about <laughs> I this was a joke Matt, and loses his mind. With Matt, with Matt Gash, I walk back in the thing and I'm waiting for you guys to ask me something. Now, you are... My favorite person, um, media guy, whatever you want to label yourself as, a pundit, whatever it is. My favorite guy I've ever worked with. You really I appreciate are. appreciate that. Thank you. God's honest truth, you are. Because if I, if I come back at you, I know you're going to come back at me in, in a very subtle way, but you're going to get your point across. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm going, I walk back and I'm waiting for a question to be ans- asked about what happened on that field. Why I got kicked out. Uh, the, the, the Danny Acosta tackle, which really set me off. Yeah. And I walk back and Matt goes, you good? And I go... No, I'm not good. I need to go back out there. And, and and pure Matt, Matt is not confrontational. He's like, okay. And I, I was like waiting for Matt to be like, well, why? You know, like whatever. And, and it literally scared me, to be honest with you, because I was waiting for a little fight back. And then maybe perhaps I could get a better head and do this. And he's like, okay, let's go. So and it's I'm, Matt's fault. And I'm walking like, I'm walking down the perp walk almost, you know, yeah. and I'm going, I know this is going to be bad. I don't know what the hell I'm going to say. It's going to come out and this and that. So. That was that, it was amazing. That was fun. So we are, we are the most fined yeah. coaches in in in. I definitely, Phillips. definitely, yeah. and there's no question. Yeah. Yeah. All the rest of the coaches in the league are really don't say anything. But but does that? <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot because uh, ask the question, Peggy. Does that piss you off as much as it does me sometimes? Is that I've always said. When people ask, why do you talk like that? Why do you explode like that? I said, because I don't want to be a cliched coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say, well, we gave it the old college try and, <laughs> oh, the referees, they have a hard job, you know, to do and this and that. No. You know, sometimes I'll say that if I really mean it. But for the most part, I want to be honest because yeah. if I don't, I'm going to go home and I'm not going to sleep for 48 hours because I'm going to be sitting there with my thumbs twiddling going, why didn't I say Why didn't I say Because now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. No, I think that. I just want to say it how it is. Yeah. And I think that I say it publicly and I'll fight behind the scenes on the same thing. So if I see 
things happening in our league that I don't agree with, mm-hmm. I'll be the one that sends an email to the coach and going, we've got to do something about this. And they'll be like, okay, we'll follow your lead. And I'm like, can someone else lead it? See, that's yeah. amazing. Because mm-hmm. if I sent an email to the coaches in this league, they'd be like, Mike, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> or, or who is this? For, for, <laughs> you know? Forward I got enough, to I Jeff Agus. I have to worry about with my team. You know, <laughs> I don't care about this. Thing. That's amazing. That, you, that, that, that That's what I actually strive for. I, I've talked to one or two coaches. Ben Olsen is one of them. They're like, wouldn't it be awesome? We're not allowed to have a, uh, a coaches union mm-hmm. not that we're not allowed to it's been you know balked at this and that we haven't been able to do it wouldn't it be awesome to have like a like a, a fight club type you know yeah. cult underground oh coaches God. union you know why don't we meet like you know three three times a year we'll meet in Vegas or something like that see, we'll have a good time and we'll talk about serious but issues the, but this was just a story in Major League Soccer about the general managers sitting at the MLS Combine and the draft, and then I would imagine the same at the NWSL yeah, combine. Yeah, we meet one, once a year at the draft. So for the now, and this just came out a week or two ago, that this kind of became a little collective with the general managers, sporting directors, and now they're, their ideas, their conversations, as they get together and have these conversations about how they see the need, league needs to grow, how the salary cap, the what a salary budget because there's no cap, <laughs> there's no cap. Um, <laughs> how, how how these little things that maybe they think about the what the league's process is how the league can maybe absorb this information not you not necessarily use it but just be more generally aware why wouldn't that be a smart yeah. idea for both nwsl and major league soccer there is a referees union <laughs> Okay? Not there even, is a referees union. Not, not there even. is no coaches union. There is no outlet for me to go to uh, uh, my people and say, this is not right. Go fight for me. Zero. There is a referees union. How many times have I said after a game in an interview with you or, or, or something like this is that I just would love the referees to be front and center after a game mm. in front of a camera to explain their decision, to yeah. explain their mindset, to explain whatever. God forbid one of them would say, I made a mistake. Holy cow. Let me tell you something. I would send, I would send whatever he wants to his house, but they're protected. Mm. I want to be protected. I want to be. I got fined well, over $20,000 last year. I want to be protected. Jesus. I almost got freaking divorced over it, all right? I <laughs> That's why you're getting a new kitchen protected. right now. <laughs> well, the new kitchen was the apology, of course, of course. But um, no, I mean, listen. Kim's uh, going to have a new wardrobe if you, if you keep getting- Kim's in Spain right now with yeah. the boys. She's, now, so she is getting a new wardrobe. Yeah, she's, she's got some sort of CS do you, thing do you, do you know what the dollar to the euro is right now? Shout Keep out. an eye on your trigger. Keep an eye on the credit card. Just as a heads up. Listen, Kim is Kim is a professional frugal, frugal shopper. Yeah, frugal. I mean, she comes home with eight hundred dollars worth of clothes that she paid twenty five dollars for. I'm like, what? I need to go shopping with her. What? Oh, right, Laura. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now. I'm not ex- that eight hundred twenty five is exaggeration, but you have to go shopping with her. Ooh, Laura, did you know? But last, by the way, last week he was wearing sneakers that were purple and did not have laces on them. That said, Mike on the back of his sneakers. You see, you know what? You're, you're literally setting the story up pathetically. No, it was an unbelievable story behind it. No, I'm allowing. See, this is called a setup. I'm being your partner here. You are, While I'm malicious in my intent to set you up, correct. I'm affording you the opportunity to clarify why you had Mike written on the back of your that sneakers. That was covered in last week's show, right? But it she was wasn't a wedding here. Present Maybe she didn't from see it. Tim Ream, who played that night that we were broadcasting, right? Mm-hmm. That night, um, I saw him the week before, and it was uh, I was in his wedding. And that was his wedding gift to all the nice. um, people in his wedding party. It was Nike shoes, purple. 
uh, with your name on the back. And I've never worn them once before except for that wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Brian pointed out the scuff marks on them. Oh, you never wore them? That night at the wedding, we did races. We, you know, after, after a couple of waters, yeah. we did some races. <laughs> we, you know, water. dancing. I was cutting a rug, this and that. Anyway. Brian, <laughs> by, the way, by the way, these these were not gently used. What, whatever the sparkling water was that night, it looked as if he had worn them for a couple of years straight because they were worn down. Like You could see his running style based on the way they were worn down. Okay. Well, that's what Tim gets for having his wedding in St. Louis and then everybody stay at a casino in St. Louis. Oh, oh boy. So I was running from a lot of water. I was running from yeah, right in the water. I was running from a lot of things. Running for your life that night. (laughs) Hey, at least you took the the laces out. No, no, no. I said the laces came out because I wasn't happy with laces in another shoe over the last five years. And I said, oh, I'm never going to wear these shoes. And, you know, I'll take the laces out there and put them in this show. That's why. Uh And I was too lazy to put laces in before the show. Yeah. All right. You done grilling me about my shoes? This is the point of the show. Okay. Not necessarily about your name on the back of the shoes. So I'm going to take over for a second. Yeah. All right. We've gone, as always, way of course. We're. I love it. Being ridiculous. Yeah. Being stupid. I want to get serious for a second. I asked Laura a question uh, before we went in the air. That was one of the things that we talked about uh, in the intro about the the, the last five minutes should have been on air. Um, Something caught my attention. Uh, during the Pecky show, and yep. you guys should watch it, sponsored by Xfinity. Um, you made a statement that you're an, a proud gay woman. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know that because we yep. have a good relationship. Yep. Um, and I thought in, in that moment, I said to myself, I said, I've never, again, not that I'm combing through your interviews, but I said, I've never heard Laura say that publicly. Yep. Uh, and I asked you the question before the show started, is that the first time that you publicly said that? Because to me, it was empowering. To me, um, I'm reading the Howard Stern book right now. That was one of my Father's Day gifts from my 11-year-old, by the way, (laughs) which tells you a lot about our household. It was awesome. Um, And the whole book centers around, it's not a book written, you know, that he writes words. It's all his favorite interviews. And one of them was Ellen. Nice. And my wife and I, and actually my kids are huge Ellen fans. Yeah. We love that show. We love especially the, the YouTube outtakes of, of the dancing and stuff yeah. like that. And she's awesome. And when I read this interview, you know, to hear her, her past, her history, and her coming out openly on a show that, by the way, got canceled about three shows later. Yeah. And they never said that it was because of that. It was a volatile time, you know, in equality, you yeah. know, in, 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 in gay rights and all that. Um, but obviously that had something to do with it. Yeah. And for her to say that publicly at that time, and that was the whole part of the chapter on Ellen, and all it is is a transcript of all the interviews, but he writes a a foreword in all of them, and it was unbelievable. So I immediately thought of Ellen. I immediately thought of, wait, do I realize that, has Laura ever said this publicly? Mm -hmm. So you take it away now. I asked you the question before. You gave me an answer. Expand on it. Go for it. Because that was awesome, by the way. Thank you. I Yeah, I... I think I said this before. I don't know if I have ever said it publicly in an interview setting. I think when I was in Seattle, I was very open about who I was and, you know, the life that I lead. And I think that um, the last nine years of my life have been very different than the the 30 years prior to that. Um, 
it took me a long time to to come out to my family and once I did it was life-changing you know they were really accepting of me and um, loved me for who I am immediately I had no backlash at all from my family um, and that sort of set the trend of the life that I was willing to lead um, I'm not super in your face about anything to do with my personal life really but I feel that this month you know this pride month that everyone has I think is a is a time where people can be really proud of of who they are whatever sexuality they are race gender everything I think that it's just a time where anyone and everyone can be proud of the life that they they want to live the the person that they are the people that they love and um I'm so lucky that I live in an environment where I have always been accepted. I haven't really faced a lot of the things that the Ellens of the world really face. Some of it was my own choice because I chose not to come out until I was a little bit older. Um, I've had a lot of friends who've gone through it that didn't have the same journey that I've been on that it was more difficult for them. Um, and I feel that like I'm a... I'm in a good place where the platform that I have, I want to use it positively in whatever way I can. Um, yeah, and I'm just really proud of the person that I've become that I can sit here and be comfortable saying that. I could go. I was going to follow up, but I, the moment that you have a question, I'm going to let you go. Correct, <laughs> because I don't have many questions. Um, one thing that stood out in what, you, well, a lot of things stood out in what you said, but the moment you said that you came out to your parents. Mm -hmm. And again, if, 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 if I'm getting too personal here, yeah. you tell me, Mike, shut up. All right. Okay. You're yeah, no problem. Because um, I remember, for instance, uh, when I came home from college one time and you know, I had a drink with my parents and, uh, you know, my mom says, I remember when you came home in ninth grade one time, you know, were you drinking then, you know, <laughs> this and that. And to me, it was this. And, and that's totally nothing to like, like such a lesser thing mm -hmm. than this. Did you expect your parents to? Be, like, were you nervous about that? Did you, oh, so nervous, But, yeah. but you really, but, what was it because of your insecurities or or what's in your mind? Or is there a real reason why you think your parents would not accept you for that? And yeah. I'm asking this reason because a lot of, a lot of yeah, people, a lot go, of people through go through it. Almost 100%. everyone does. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I honestly wish now I'd have told my parents way sooner than I did. Yeah. Um, because. But you were hesitant. I was really hesitant because I think that I was insecure about myself a little bit and how they would react. And I was already at this point in my life, I, I was the head coach of Arsenal. You know, I was established yeah. in a career. Um, and the the sad thing that I could I kept battling with was they just didn't know a, a small part of my life, mm. but a big part of my life, you know. And I think that um, me and one of my really good friends, who I'm still really good friends with, said to each other for five years prior to that point, on our 30th birthdays, if we haven't already told our parents, we're going to tell them. Wow. And um, randomly, one day in, a, in the 30th year, it wasn't on my birthday, she was like, I'm going to do it. And I was like, okay, me too. And uh, so we both did it on the same day, which was wild. Wow. And I actually wrote my parents a letter. I didn't tell them face to face. I wrote you, them a letter. You told me this one time. Yeah, yeah I wrote them a letter. And uh, I lived about 30 minutes away from my parents. Wrote them a letter. Drove to the house, all prepared to hand it to them. Got 
absolutely scared to death, posted it through the door, got back in my car, <laughs> drove away real <laughs> quick, and then was like this, looking at my phone, looking at my phone, looking at my phone, waiting, and then my dad called me. I, I couldn't even answer it. Like, I was just scared to death of answering it. And uh, he left me a voicemail, and he was like, call me. It's Everything's fine. Yeah, whatever. So called him. He said, come home. So I went home. And from that day on, it was just great. Wow. And I think, honestly, I truly believed they knew. I was, that was a follow-up yeah, question. I truly <laughs> believed they knew. And they've, we've never really talked about it in detail, but I don't think that they did. And I think that, but they were so great about it. And yeah. everything that my life has become since then has just meant that they can truly be part of everything. Yeah. Um, and they're also part of so much of it. And, you know, I've got a brother and he lives in L.A. and he's married, he's got a kid. And we're just so close now that to think that only nine years has passed yeah. since that time, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. And I just feel really grateful because, yeah, they've been amazing. That's awesome. It's incredible to hear that story because I, I know a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have yeah. the structure yeah. and support. Definitely. <clears throat> and, I, you know, I I've, I've, haven't told the people on this format but my upbringing with a uh, with a proud gay father who married my mother to have a child and divorce and kind of growing up with him in san francisco in the heyday of the aids epidemic above the castro mm. and watching so many of his friends pass away and he's been hiv positive since i was 21 and now 21 years later he's still chugging along down in palm springs <clears throat> it's been for a kid from Southern California to have kind of this dual upbringing of, okay, I've got a family environment, but I have a proud gay father and being at Hamburger Mary's and going to uh, the Russian River Resort, which is a gay resort where everybody's butt naked <laughs> and everyone's like, hey, do you want to have a duck fart? And I was like, I don't really know what a duck what? fart is. <laughs> and it's like, hey, here's a little duck and you drink tequila, you drink Kahlua out the back of it. And oh my God, why is this guy not wearing pants? And this is awkward. And no, I'm not a chick. I'm actually, I'm straight, but this is my dad and I'm proud of him. And he's he's gay. It was amazing. Like I had this the coolest upbringing, and my dad, like I had this 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 world that I was exposed to. But then in the midst of this, having conversations with so many people that were gay, yeah, that for one reason or another didn't have the support, mm -hmm. the familiar structure to be able to tell their parents. Yeah. And there's no clear path. No. But I think the one one thing that's been incredible as there's been obvious hurdles for everybody um, for their own personal journey is at least now when people talk about Pride Weekend or Pride yeah. Night or the Pride Parade, it's not just a straight versus gay thing. The inclusiveness is for everybody. Yeah. But it gets wrapped up. The narrative gets such a little tight ball of, yeah. oh, this is why you should support it, or this is why you shouldn't support it, or why isn't every day a Pride Day? But those people are scared who They're are scared opposition. Of unknown. Scared. That, that's to me. That that's everyone's what the they same. Yeah. That we it's all not bleed. that they don't totally it's the same thing. That, that that they're so against it for whatever reason. They're scared for two reasons. For me. You know, one is their perception of whatever they support. There's mm. their party, you know, whatever the the right, the left, the central, whatever the hell it is. And the other thing is, is that they're unfamiliar with it. You know, mm. they grew up. I mean, my dad and mom, you know, grew up at a time that this was not spoken about, you yeah. know, and I'm sure I, I, my, my parents are a certain age. I don't know how old your parents are, but I'm assuming it's the same time. And. It's interesting to have conversations with them now about this. I mean, they hear the podcast. We've talked about, you yeah. know, Pride Week and stuff nonstop. When I went to Orlando yeah. last year, we had a big show about that. And they they love how I am and how accepting I am. And they are accepting as well. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like 
It's not, it's not like they've always been accepting. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. not that I don't blame them. You know, they grew up at a different time and age. Mm-hmm. You there know? was a lack of exposure oh, to the yes. idea yeah, the and, the, and lack the understanding. Of exposure is an understatement, but yes, yeah. absolutely that. Let, let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout. On the flip side, we'll I don't continue. want to take a timeout. We we're, have we're to. We've got to pay some bills. That's <laughs> right. how you get paid. It's the union. It's the broadcasters' union that Ooh, we just started. Then you could be part of a union. We'll be right back. the broadcasters. Welcome back to Off the Chest with Pecky and Donnie. And yes, Mike, I did say the duck fart. Well, that's going to be your Christmas present t-shirt, by the way. Yeah, I had no idea what it was. I was yeah. so glad you explained it. It, it was. So again, it was. <laughs> let, let me set the scene. I was. Well, I, no, I got to figure out. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. No, when I, I like, hear that, no, I'm because, like. No, I'm, I'm thinking about the legalities of this story. I was 21 years of age, Great. and I was in a place called the Russian River Resort, the Triple R. And again, it was it was just all dudes, right? All dudes. And I was with my dad, and we went to go get a drink. And the guy goes, "Do you want a duck fart?" And I was like, "I don't know what a duck fart is." And all of a sudden, it was a duck shooter. And I was like, "Okay, what's in it?" And he said, "Kahlua." And I was like, "Ah, oh, Kahlua, the color. It makes sense." I was like, "So how do you drink it?" And he goes, "Well, you put the." duck's butt in your mouth and that's how okay. you drink it that's how you empty it's it hence, hence this is just gone the duck way fart. off <laughs> does it does that not make sense the duck fart it makes total sense to me oh wow does that not make sense to you i don't know <laughs> my dad's a, my dad's a duck hunter i grew up a duck hunter i gave up duck so hunting so you stick so the duck's I'm, butt in I your know, mouth i know i hear oh, that's what wow. you drink it. I it's not a real duck it's a it's a shot glass that's a duck I'm going to Google it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to Google it. Lord. Oh, that's oh, worse geez. than like a cement mixer I or might go straight to a YouTube. 151. <laughs> I want to see the triple R. Oh, this is crazy. Uh, by the way, if you're just joining us, quick, you've been joining us the whole time. We're with Utah Royals head coach Laura Harvey, uh, Real Salt Lake head coach Mike Peck, and Brian Dunseth, <laughs> off the chest mm. podcaster. Um, yeah, this is, this is the levels of conversation that we <laughs> dive into. Right. I think this is a new level. This is this is phenomenal. Yeah. I love it. Well, this is the first time. It's just been you and I like I talking trash to each other and having a good time. But now that we have Laura here, now it's like legit locker room banter. Yeah, I love it. It's great. <laughs> That's I live for. Um, are, you, are you surprised that I've played mm-hmm. with, I've personally played or known actually a lot more Gay male soccer players yeah. than have ever come out. I I know I know Robbie Rogers. I know there's a bunch of guys that have have come out mm-hmm. after they've played the game. Yeah, <clears throat> but I understand the culture of the locker room, and I understand yeah. the language, and I understand how there's certain words that are used, and the masculinity of the words that are used more as a shot of um, are you strong, are you tough versus how I think the words are viewed outside of a locker room and yeah. the whole culture of a locker room that gets super crazy and convoluted. Mm-hmm. But are you surprised that more men in the game haven't come out or because in my mind, I, st- I can still understand why people choose not to, to hold yeah. on to a piece of them that is so so pure and honest, but at the same time, they're protective of it, their sexuality, because of still kind of the stupidity of some the of the stigma. comments that they found yeah. themselves dealing with. Yeah, I think so. I think growing up in England and the uh, traditional male locker room, changing room banter that I would see and 
probably join in with, honestly, um, was, yeah, I can totally understand why a, a male player wouldn't wouldn't feel comfortable coming out. Um, I think that, oh, well, I hope that times are changing. And I think when Robbie Rogers came out, I felt that it was a real turning point for the game. Um Colin Martin and Minnesota United is out as mm-hmm. well. I think there's, and again, I think now the the hard thing is, I think the first person that does it is the person you remember, yeah. Yeah. you know. And I think that um, then it's hopefully it opens the doors for other people, and I and then I think that it doesn't necessarily become as big a story. Agreed, hundred percent. Which it shouldn't it, be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. But the first person that comes out um, is always the biggest story, right, mm. Ellen? Megan Rapinoe, Robbie Mm -hmm. Rogers, it's it's always that way. So I think that um, I hope that people feel more um, safe that they can do that. Um, And if they don't, then they maybe need to decide if that's the right environment for them to want to be in. And Mm -hmm. if it is, then keep doing it. And if it's not, then maybe try and change the environment that you're currently living. Because I've I've played with guys that I know – are gay mm-hmm. at the uh, were that they were comfortable having a conversation with me about it, yeah, but not comfortable utilizing the spotlight to kind of be they they were they were they were all introverted in my like they weren't extroverts they were introverted and I think the idea of leading the charge yeah was a daunting I, task I, for them. because the oppression I, it's been oppressed that's for it. so long I think that's especially it, I think. on the male side yeah. you know yeah. I think not that in women's sport or soccer specifically it's easier but I think it the environment within is definitely easier but I still think it's the same there's a lot of female athletes that you know let's use me as an example I maybe have never said this publicly before it's not because I feel uncomfortable about it it's I don't really want the spotlight around it Um, but I think that the environment within our sport is it's way more accepted in our locker room that that is the life that people live. And um, the big part about it is have they chosen to openly say that they're gay? Like, same. I know a lot of female soccer players who are gay. And I think, are you openly gay? Should I say that publicly? Maybe I shouldn't. You know, I'm not quite sure. And I think it's for it's everyone's story for themselves to tell. Mm. And I think that the brave ones that go out there and and speak their truth. um, You know, I know Megan Rapinoe, I've coached her, know her a lot gone through a lot with her i think that she is an activist just in life in general yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. so you know this the world that she chooses to to be in is that she feels her voice is bigger than herself mm. and she chooses to use it in a way where you know coming out and being an openly gay athlete in 2011 which seems a while ago now yeah uh, was a huge deal then but now she's just flourishing as being the true Megan Rapinoe, which she, I think is great. In, in 2011, by the way, having the support of Nike and that yeah. whole campaign, yeah. It, yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah. Groundbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. She had an unbelievable quote. Was it today or yesterday? Today. Uh, about the White House? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she literally said, F the White House. No, she said, <laughs> no? I'm not going to the effing White House. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So she said, yeah. effing White House. Well, because... because Thank I, you. I, Thank you, editor. No, because <laughs> I retweeted that and the amount of pushback... Of again, th- I think those that look at Megan Rapino as the athlete yep. 
and those look at Megan Rapino, as you said, as the activist for how she's chosen to take her stands publicly. But I've never yeah. met Megan ever. She's awesome. I've, I barely know her, I'm but sure. she is. I have never met Megan. Unbelievable. It is very obvious from, <clears throat> from watching her speak, from what she stands up in. She's an intelligent yeah, woman. Yeah, she is very. And a fire Intelligent yeah. person. Yeah. So she knows. She's not just saying something that perhaps, I think I'm an intelligent guy, but don't get me wrong, <laughs> that, that perhaps I would do off the beaten, you know, just yeah. like fly off the handle. She's calculated in a good way. You know, she knows, uh, when I say calculated, she has weighed in her mind, if I say this, or if I say something along these lines, yeah. what's going to happen? Yeah. And, and she knows it. Well, so th- to me, that's awesome. But yeah. that, it brings up an interesting... So, so Whether I, thought, I believe in anything or not, whatever she stands for, I think what she's doing is, is awesome. Well, and yeah, that, I had that's... Com- I had a, sorry, I had a conversation with her not long ago and just said, like, I think the, the thing that I love about her is that she speaks in a way that is more than about her Mm. and whether it's about equality whether it's about her beliefs around oppression whatever it might be she speaks about things that are bigger than herself Mm -hmm. and for me that's it's brave you know i think she's just brave and i feel she's had a lot of backlash and negative things that have gone on within all of her decisions that she's come out to say things publicly but I do believe that she does things with the intent of believing that she's doing things in the right way that she believes is right. Exactly what you just said in in a different way. Um, That's the way I want to live my life. That's the way I want my kids to live a life is this, is at the end of the day, can you look yourself in the mirror and say, I stood for what I believed in, or I said today what I really felt. Yeah. doesn't matter about what backlash. If you really feel that, how many people truly say what they feel? Yeah. You know, very few, to I'm be quite honest with you. I'm proud of who I am. Yes. Yeah. This is who I am. Like me, hate me, I don't give a shit, to be honest with you. Yeah. Can I say that on this? No. But it's a podcast. Wow. Yeah, but you can. Okay. But I, I don't I give an S. Ish. I don't give an S-H number sign T, okay? Um, this is who I am, you know? And she and she does that, yeah. a, 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 along with a lot of other people. Yeah, definitely. I think, and she's, I think lately I've sort of been empowered by not just Pino, but a lot of what's happening within our sport of saying our platform's big and mm-hmm. let's use it to the, to make women's sport and sport in general a better place. Why do you think I got dragged on this podcast? There you go. And this show? Because I'm like, wait. And with, with encouragement from Brian and, and, oh, oh, and Gibbs. Hold on. You know, hold on. This is a, we could, we could it talk about something two, other than soccer and talk yeah. about social Just issues. to be clear, Laura, it took me probably less than two minutes to convince him to do a podcast. Well, because I've been waiting my whole life for somebody to come up and say, hey, we could do this thing and it's public. Whatever. I said, you know what we could do? We could just do the podcast and we can continue the conversation. He goes, done. No, I think I said, cool. 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 Yeah. Cool. <laughs> when do we start? Let's do it. We mean, we're, we mean, there's a microphone. We get to say whatever we want. So, so, that these cameras with lights that give I those? love this conversation, mm-hmm. but, oh, the but the context of this also has ramifications on how you guys have to manage the collective mm-hmm. on top of the individual. Yeah. And, and the reason why I bring that up. I, I don't understand the parallel. Okay. So you and I talked about at one point there was an idea that a team oh. that you were managing yes. was thinking about taking a knee yep. during yep. the national yep. anthem. Okay, now I get it. And while you didn't necessarily, you, you could have your own feelings of the subject yep. of how you looked at the situation and what the statement was about, 
um, you also had to deal with the ramifications of a public statement of a group of players that represented not only your coaching staff, the fans, and the organization. So in the context of that, everything that we're talking about tonight, mm-hmm. if it's a Megan Rapino, if it's a player coming out and publicly willing to take the spotlight on, this also has ramifications. You, I guess you guys have to almost compartmentalize yeah. of how you guys are managers yeah. and you got to deal with the group, but also seeing the personality of the individual wanting to make a statement. Well, I'm going to say very briefly because we've covered this and yeah. I'm going to turn it over to Laura to have her thing. But what we covered in that episode that we talked about was about three or four episodes ago. Yeah. And what I was trying to get across was there's very few things in life that if a player came to me and believed in something and asked me if it's okay to stand up for this cause, aside from the cause being, I believe in kicking babies in the head that are walking down the street. <laughs> Listen, dude, you, no, I don't support that. You're not doing that, you know? <laughs> aside from something crazy like that or a racist thing or an, uh, you know, a yeah. uh, homophobic type thing, you know? Uh, I don't have to believe solely in, in, in what they're protesting. But as long as it's not evil, as long as it's not, you know, uh, weird or, or something that, that, that could really be – that's cut and, cut and dry, yeah, that, black it's and wrong, white issue. Yep. that it's wrong, yeah. Go, do it. I will have your back. But the whole point of this conversation we had was, but know that there's going to be major yeah. dr- uh, blowback. Yeah. You know, and I will stand behind you. Yeah. I will stand behind you, you know? However, you have to understand this. You can't just wake up one morning and say, I believe in this. Yeah. You know, it's a hot topic issue right now. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is I want to kneel during this. I'm all for that, you know? Protest is one of the biggest things this country was founded on. Mm-hmm. You could almost argue that the country was founded on protest. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know? Sorry, Laura. <laughs> England, you yeah, know, it was China. It's okay. It's China. I love 4th of July. You know, it was China <laughs> to take over the country. Um, <laughs> So I'm all for it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have to believe in exactly the cause, but the right to stand up for what you believe in is, is yeah. big to me. Yeah. Well, I was Megan's coach when she knelt, yeah. you know, for the first time. And I think I didn't know she was going to do it. Um, I don't think that at the time we'd really gone through what the ramifications of that was. But at, when it happened, the conversation within the locker room was an open one with the group of how people felt about it, what they wanted to do about it. Um, and I remember our next get, our next home game was actually September 11th. Oh, wow. And that had its own... Yeah. yeah. It's its own different thing, right? That was, so, the, first, that was the first day that you did the... Pro- no, so awesome. we had two away games prior to our next home game. So the away games were, were different because we don't really control what that looks like, yeah, the pre-game the of that. Yeah. And there was a lot that went around that. Um, but then the home game, it was, okay, look, this September 11th, we, it's a bigger conversation mm. than just one person. Let's talk it out. And again, Megan is very intelligent and we had a very strong group of characters that believed in multiple different things. So there was an agreement of linking arms. Um, everyone linked arms and it was in conjunction with the Seahawks at the time um, that they all linked arms and um, I think that's what happened in that anthem and then after the next 
the next home game, some rather than kneeling, they didn't. Some people didn't come out for mm. the anthem, so they all addressed it in their own way. And and I remember at the time we didn't have a GM, but there was me and the owner, and we basically ran the club. Was this has to be a conversation that we have? We can't just make decisions for them, yeah. because then we're not we're not involving them in the process. We involved the away team. Megan went and spoke to the away team the day before the game at their training session to say, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I believe in. You don't have to do anything. You can do this. This is what we're doing as a team. You can just do what you would normally do at an anthem. Or if you want to protest in another way, you can. And I think that the fact that it wasn't an elephant in the room and we actually spoke about it meant that... She felt she was empowered to have her own belief. Yeah. Other people who in the locker who, room who believed the same or in different ways uh-huh. believed that they had a, a voice within that too. Um, and it, it was a tough time, I think, that, you know, I don't think at the time anyone believed what it would create, mm-hmm. you know, the media around it. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a, it's not something that you get taught on a coaching course, let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> you know, it's not, well, it's not a topic of how you deal with something like that. That's but an on-the-job learning experience. Oh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. And um, I just think that the, the greatest thing was the conversation. The conversation mm. on why, what it means, what the outcome could be, what the backlash could be, what the backlash was at that time. I remember being sent a a shirt, a T-shirt of the team, of the rain at the time, with, like, death threats. And we were getting everything. We had to have police escorts everywhere. It was crazy. Um, But no one expected that. I don't think Pino did. The team definitely didn't. So it became this thing where we had to really go into depth of what we were doing, why we were doing it, what that might look like. If we decided to do it this way, what we thought the backlash might be, if we decided how we could embrace the community in the proper way. And um, I mean, it was a tough time for everybody, I think, but it was it was also really empowering to see these grown women really speak up and believe in something that was bigger than themselves. And some of it was with Pino, some of it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And just evolving through that was really interesting. So I'm so intrigued by this because Mm -hmm. I think about all the scenarios when people make decisions and how they're going to... I guess how blown away were you that through all the due diligence of trying to create what all these magical scenarios could be good, bad, indifferent, and super ugly. Were you still surprised at maybe some angles of the support versus some angles of the extreme blowback, death threats, et cetera? Yeah, a little bit. I think initially it was, it was, we, we just didn't know. We, it, like Mike says before, you just on the, on the minute, on the mm. job. We were at an away game in Chicago. We then went to Washington, D.C., and that travel became crazy. We then went back to Seattle, and it was a little calmer, but then it becomes September 11th, and it's like, okay, how do we deal with that? So it was just... I just remember a lot of phone calls, a lot of coffee meetings, a lot of sitting with the players in the locker room, talking it out. Not to a... It didn't become de- a big debate, but it was, this is how I feel, Okay fine appreciate how you feel this is how and so the players gained voices that you never you never saw out of them mm. before you know because i think 
something like that becomes really passionate to everybody. Yeah. And, and in fairness to Pino at the time, there were some people that didn't agree with the way she was going about it. And she was really respectful of their disagreement, but they were also respectful of her and what her beliefs were. And I think from a club's perspective at the time and as people sort of in charge of that group, we were really mindful to make sure that we made sure everyone was respected too. Yeah. Yeah. That if someone had a real strong opinion about it, that we respected what they were thinking. And I think that um, I like to think we handled it in the best way that we could. Um, but again, there's no book written on, <laughs> on there's no steps written, no book written on how to how to go through that. Um, but I do feel like that every player in that scenario felt empowered to to do what they felt was right at that moment in time. But I still think the the imagery of locking arms mm. was still yeah. Probably even more powerful than what the idea for me personally of what I understood what dropping to a knee represented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought the imagery of just yeah. locking arms because then it's the collective, right? It's less yeah. about the individual. You can still voice your opinion, but then the imagery is less, quote unquote, disrespectful from the way people are using it. And it's then used as a positive attribute, yeah. even though I think some will argue that just by dropping one knee, you've spurred the conversation yeah. in a direction that... It, it was really interesting with the Seahawks, actually, I think. Seattle's a super liberal city, right? Yeah, I think that... Um, and they were really... Um, I think Doug Baldwin, uh, Richard Sherman at the time, um, Stanford grads, yeah. you know, not... Intelligent. Really intelligent yeah. guys. And I think they actually met with Pino that week and were, um, again, like super involved. Like, it, was, it was so interactive. It was really interesting to see how all these different athletes from all different walks of life, some that NFL, MLS, NW, everybody... WNBA, you know, all came together and decided, okay, if you want to protest at this moment in time, this is how we're going to do it. Um, And I think the Seahawks had a home game on the same day as us. So it was like they did it at exactly the same time that that our players did it. And it was, yeah, it was just really empowering to see all these people come together and have a conversation. That was was the most empowering thing for me anyway. I, I just think the, the the overly ironic part about this whole thing, to me it's so ironic, is that the person who is standing up for uh, an injustice in our day and age is the one that's persecuted by the people who are providing that injustice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I, I think that taking a knee or, or, or whatever Megan did, Kaepernick did, uh, Sherman did, uh, 15, 20 years ago, okay, then, you know, you're not, we're not educated on everything, you know? In this day and age, it's just so ironic that that's a talking point, right. you know? That's the narrative yeah. that how could they do that to the flag? Meanwhile, what's going on to their rights, to their liberties, to mm-hmm. their, you know, what the Constitution yeah. says, life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right. you know? And, and to me, it's, it's some sort of it is comical on the other side. And I, I think it's, like I said, whether I agree with exactly how things were done, a large part of it I do. There are certain little things, but I get it. You know, I appreciate yeah. it. I respect it. I think it's a really healthy, good conversation. Yeah, this is fun. Right. Uh, I might sleep here tonight. Well, I don't know if I could drive home. I'll I'm so right I'm so emotionally I'll drained. Give, I'll give you a ride. You know, I'm like I might just fall back in this chair. Uh, Pride weekend here in SLC, second annual Real Monarchs Royals and RSL Friday night Seattle Rain taking on or Friday night Utah Royals taking on Seattle Rain at Rio Tinto Stadium, 8 p.m. and then on Saturday Real Salt Lake taking on. Big rivals, Sporting Ooh. Kansas City. Ooh. They hate each other. They kick each other. <laughs> the up narrative. And down the field. I love it. 
Benny Phil Haber. <laughs> He's back, right? Yeah. He's back. Uh, so, by the way, thank you. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. No, thank you, Laura, for joining. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, fantastic thank you for having me. Uh, again, Off the Chest, an RSL Podcast Network production in collaboration with KSL Podcast, recorded at KSL Radio Studios in Salt Lake City, Utah, produced by Ryan Hale. Subscribe to the show. Ryan. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Gibbs. Giblets, say goodbye. Gibbs. Bye. See you next week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>